0: Kill them with kindness, or in this case, get some pro-revenge with it. We'll get to that in a bit, but first, insult my intelligence? It's on the record now. I'm a veterinary technician and was doing some work in the reception area. We had a man and his pit bull come in. I'm getting them checked in and I ask what the dog's name is. He tells me the dog's name is Gucci. I ask how he spells it because you can never assume anything these days. He rolls his eyes and says, You don't know how to spell gucci are you an idiot or something the thing about veterinary medical records are that they are legal documents they will exist for a certain number of years at least before they're destroyed for the better part of a decade i made the record show he arrived that day with a dog named g-o-o-c-h-y since apparently i'm an idiot that can't spell gucci i mean it's kind of a funny name for a dog Honestly, I wouldn't even be that upset if I was in this position. I think it'd be kind of funny. It's just I would be a little embarrassed walking up to the counter and having the receptionist go, Oh, you're here with, uh, Gucci? Also, hi, I'm Steven. That's with a V, just in case you don't know how to spell. And if you enjoy awesome stories of revenge, why not hit those like and subscribe buttons down below? That said, our next story is, A shop attendant was mean to me, So I told my mom. This is just a very small story but this kind of thing happened to me often so it was satisfying to get back at them. My mother is a wealthy woman and has a bit of a shopping problem. I don't really like to spend money and while I earned really well I still don't have nearly as much. So over 90% of my clothes are her old clothes from high end brands. I went to one of those shops to take a look around because I wanted a nice little treat and was looking at skirts and such, for some reason, that irked the shop attendant, and she kept following me around and commenting on how it was probably too expensive to me Edit, for everything I touched, to be clear. I've been treated badly in high-end stores before, but rarely so blatantly. She didn't even realize that I was head to toe wearing the brand's clothing, albeit in black because I'm a bit of a goth. So I left and called my mom. The next week, when we were in the city, we came to the store and they immediately recognized us both. Me from the week before, and my mother because she usually spent several hundred euros at that exact location. The attendant got very pale and tried her best to suck up to my mom, but she just said, nah, let's just go to same store one city over. That Grinch looked like crying when she realized she had alienated one of her best clients. Again, just a tiny revenge, but it was very satisfying. It's kind of unrelated to the story, but I've always kind of liked the idea of, like, if I had a wealth of money, dressing up in clothing or attire that you would think, oh, that person definitely doesn't have the kind of money to be actually looking to purchase something in our store. You know, that's the person that definitely doesn't have a dog named Gucci. And going into a place like this, hoping that I get, like, mistreated just so I can put that clerk in their place. Our next story is, screw over me and my friend, earn a software license audit from the Business Software Alliance. I ran a small IT consulting company for many years. I generally only took on business clients on an ongoing basis, avoiding almost all ad hoc work and one-time jobs, sold the company and retired about six years ago had forgotten about this situation but was reminded about it the other day and thought it was worth posting. A friend who was a developer convinced me to do a one-time job for the software company he worked for. It involved setting up a big server with multiple virtual machines that was air-gapped, physically isolated from the company's network with no internet access. This was needed to meet a contractual requirement as the data and algorithms they were dealing with were highly proprietary. I got the system set up and approved by the company's client, a lot quicker than any other consulting company would commit to, and was pretty pleased with myself. Because this company did software development, they insisted on buying all the software licenses the server needed themselves. Fair enough, they had me install everything in evaluation mode or with trial licenses. The plan was for me to come back in and activate all the software once they'd bought the licenses. The company paid for the server, I always required payment in advance for hardware and software, but kept delaying on paying for my labor and eventually just flat out refused slash told me to sue them. I engaged a law firm that was also my client and got paid after several months, but it cost me almost half of what I'd earned and left a bitter taste in my mouth. Eventually my friend moved on from the company, he told me that the company owner had an ever bought licenses for the server even though the system was in production. And when he quit, the company refused to pay him his accrued vacation days, which they were contractually obligated to pay. Owner told him to sue if he didn't like it. Since the company had screwed both me and my friend, I decided to get back at them. I made a detailed complaint to the Business Software Alliance and provided documentation, mainly emails. The BSA is an alliance of software publishers that's extremely aggressive in enforcing licensing. Their tactics are controversial to say the least. Really, they're pure heck to deal with. There are even law firms that do nothing but defend companies from the BSA. They went after the company hard and ended up getting a huge settlement. Pretty much ruined the company, owner cut everyone's salaries, all the best folks left, and eventually the owner shut down the firm. The settlement they paid was at least 30 times as much as my labor. I feel like OP honestly should have gotten some kind of reward for what they did. I mean, I feel like that's the perfect thing for like a bounty. Our next story is revenge on flatmate. Moved into a two-bedroom house, which already had a male flatmate around my age at the time, 30. This guy ended up being a horror flatmate. He was a slob, didn't clean up after himself... Friends over all the time, watching sport every weekend. Used to eat my food and hit on my friends so no one wanted to visit me. When I moved in, I brought my mom's old washing machine, which he was happy with as he didn't have one, and had been using a laundry mat. After a few months, I moved out and was going interstate, couldn't take the washing machine with me. Just before leaving, I got scissors and cut the power cord. It wasn't visible from first glance, but once you got used to it, it won't work. Took about a week before he sent me an abusive message about it, and I had a giggle and blocked him. My petty revenge. I mean, hey, this guy was a stinker of a roommate, and now they're gonna have the clothes to match it. Do you guys think this might be a little too petty? I mean, you can't take the old washing machine with you. It's definitely still worth at least probably a hundred bucks, if not more. Is it worth the revenge? I mean, as long as you know your way around cables, you could probably patch that cable up. Our next story is Revenge on Towing Company. Allow me to share a win. I was visiting my girlfriend at her townhouse. The townhouse is at the entrance of the neighborhood, and not far from it is a sign warning of cars being towed. On the sign was the name and number of the towing service. In the section of this subdivision with the townhomes, There are a few clearly designated no parking zones, but no such designation out in front of her townhome where I was parked. About 8.30 that evening, while we were upstairs, kicked back, watching TV in her bed, I suddenly saw some lights flashing through the upstairs window, and then a knock on the front door. When I looked out, I saw my car hooked up to a tow truck, with the driver just standing there waiting for me to come down. He had pulled up, hooked up my car and then turned on his lights rather than pulling into the neighborhood with his lights on. I went downstairs to protest him hooking up my car and pointed out that it wasn't in a no parking zone. He then informed me that according to HOA rules, the spaces in front of all townhomes were no parking zones, even if they weren't marked as such. I found out later that this was true, although my girlfriend was never aware of such a rule. He then offered to drop my car if I paid a $90 drop fee. This was his shtick, collect drop fees without actually having to tow a car. In the short three weeks that he had the contract for the subdivision, he'd already hit numerous homes in the neighborhood with this scam. Then this guy made a mistake. In his attempt to be seen as the good guy just doing his job harassing people late in the evening for quick scores, he offers to write on the ticket that he towed the car to the townhouse from a nearby interstate instead of writing it up as a drop fee for illegal parking. In this way, according to him, I could turn it into my auto insurance to get them to cover it. That way I could get my money back from the scam he was running collecting drop fees from unsuspecting homeowners. I accepted the offer, which at the time seemed like I was catching a bit of a break. Being rousted out of bed and having an angry confrontation with a tow truck driver just seemed a bit more tolerable, knowing I would be able to get my money back. Still, the situation just eats at you, and it's hard to let it go in the moment, even if eventually you are getting your money back. The next part of the story involves a wealthy landowner who developed his family's 300-acre farm to create this subdivision and who continue to live in a more affluent elite section of the subdivision, and maintained a position as the head of the HOA that created this rule of no parking zones that existed only on paper and that had been added years after the townhomes had been built with their clearly marked no parking zones. Sorry for that run on sentence, but I won't go any further into that part of the story for the sake of brevity, which may seem a bit ironic at this point, let it suffice to say that this hoa and the donkey running it are not much loved and what took place between me and this towing company was a small victory over them also anyhow the next morning i began thinking more clearly about the night before even if i was still a bit pissed i wanted revenge for the intrusion and the injustice of others wielding power over me then it dawned on me that what this driver was doing might be illegal. I called my sister-in-law who owns an auto insurance company. I wanted to confirm my suspicion that the way this tow truck driver wrote out his towing tickets constituted insurance fraud. She confirmed that I was correct, that what this driver was doing was indeed insurance fraud. I then called up the towing company and told them that if they didn't give me a full refund that I would be turning them in for insurance fraud. Fifteen minutes after I made that phone call, the tow truck driver that so kindly offered to drop my car for $90 showed up at the townhouse with cash to give me a full refund. He then went to several other homes on that street and gave refunds to other people that he'd extorted in the three weeks that he'd had the contract for that subdivision. I then watched as he drove down to the end of the street, the entrance of the subdivision, got out and removed the sign with tow company's name and number. He cancelled his contract with the HOA. After word got around about what had happened and why, it took the HOA six months to find another towing company to take the contract. The reason the HOA under that guy's rule had changed regulations to not allow parking in front of townhomes was simply that the townhomes were at the front of the subdivision so he and a few other wealthy homeowners thought it was unsightly to have cars parked at the curb when they drove by. They simply didn't like the aesthetics, and their sensibilities took precedence over the rights of the lesser inhabitants of his fiefdom. Had I actually lived in that neighborhood, I think I would have taken more drastic measures up to and including getting this tow company's license revoked, and maybe even jail time for the truck driver not to mention creating a bigger legal headache for the hoa my girlfriend however is an immigrant and fearful of american power structures so she insisted i be satisfied with a refund which is a win against corruption that she would have never have dreamt of in her home country i abided by her wishes She found a new home, an actual house, in a different neighborhood with an HOA that operates with an actual bare minimum of interference with residents and is very pleased with the way it is run. I still maintain to this day that I think the best situation is a nice place that doesn't have any HOA at all, but definitely you feel good that you lucked into a place that has just the bare minimum interference. The problem is, that can all change overnight if the queen of Karens in that neighborhood fights their way to the top of the board. Next thing you know you're out there in the yard with your beard trimmers making sure that the grass is perfectly to the right millimeter mark. This next story is, fire me for speaking up, enjoy going out of business. Many years ago I worked at an automotive repair shop that was owned by a very nasty person. This person actually had two shops that he ran, and the best way I can describe him was as a tyrant. Both shops had cameras, and he would watch us work from the comfort of his home. If he saw something he didn't like, such as taking a five-minute smoke break or not sweeping for half a minute during downtime, or if he just wanted to bust balls, he would call the shop and harass us, or better yet, at times, show up and harass us in person. In addition, he would regularly berate us for no reason, threaten to not pay us because the shops weren't busy, and would have an absolute meltdown if he dared question his authority. It was spectacular in the worst of ways. After working for him for a few months and dealing with his shenanigans and getting sick of pointless arguments with him, I started reconsidering my employment there. Around the same time, the owner decided to move me from one shop to the other really for no reason other than to likely try to push me out, as that's what he did with the few people that I'd already worked with. Odd coincidence being that I hadn't discussed my thoughts of leaving with anyone, but I digress. I genuinely disliked the idea of working at this other shop. It was older and a bit run down, plus it was in a pretty terrible area with high crime, but I wanted to line something up elsewhere before I jumped ship, so I made the move. This is where the beginning of the end started for old Mr. Owner. Once I settled into the new shop, I got to talking with my fellow technicians. As it turns out, the owner was unsurprisingly a racist scumbag, and every single one of the employees at this location, aside from me, was African American. I'll spare you the details, but let's just say it's a miracle that the owner said what he said, and walked out breathing. In addition, he would regularly send people home with no pay for the day, just to be a jerk. This went on for a few weeks, him coming by, being nasty to all of us, and I was over it, and was just about to leave as I'd lined up other employment. The other techs were also over it. I went to give the owner my two-week notice via phone, discreetly, which I should have known wasn't a great idea, and instead of discussing it like a human, he decided to come down and talk face to face. Well, our friend was so incensed that I put my notice in, that he forced me to clock out and go home, and also forced two other techs who decided to stand up for me to do the same. I decided that I'd had enough of this guy's crap, and that not only did he deserve to have some kind of reciprocation against him, but the other techs deserved better than continually being walked on. So I filed a complaint with the Department of Labor and outlined everything. Within a few days, they had launched an investigation. And of course, the owner found out who filed the complaint and called the shop and gave me heck about it, stupidly, because the phones he had were on recorded lines. Guess who I had request to listen to that conversation? In the end, I was terminated by him prior to my two weeks being up, as were the two techs who stood behind me. I filed for unemployment, which he fought me on by filing appeals with a judge, then not showing up three times in a row. This prompted the judge to bar him from requesting appeals against me and granting me full unemployment pay. Months later, I got a written letter from him extending an apology and an offer to work for him again. Two months later, I got a letter from the Department of Labor saying that the investigation was closed and that he'd been found guilty of multiple charges and was barred from operating a shop or any other business in the state for several years. Yeah, after all that, I think it's safe to say this was worth it and well earned. It's pretty satisfying to know that you took down a guy who was all around terrible to people. He had no sense of the weight of his actions all up until that point. I think it's even proven more so by him not showing up in court. Either they were convinced that they had already lost, or they had the same dumb confidence that being a jerk will prevail. Our next story is, Reminding why holding the door is common courtesy. This happened a couple of weeks ago. I was going to the gym in the early afternoon, and as I was leaving my building, two neighbors who are students in their early twenties were entering it. Despite completely seeing me as I was two meters away from the door, they didn't hold it open for me. The door closed, and it's one of these that you have to press the button on the wall so you can open it. I found it unpolite. They would not have had to have awkwardly hold it for a long while due to the distance. It would have literally been two seconds. Well, screw them. I'm petty enough to not hold the door for them if I see them in the opposite situation. What I did not imagine was the situation would present itself as soon as a few hours later. Once more, I was going out and they were coming in, but this time, I was the one opening the door while they were coming carrying a box of 2330ml Heineken each. In a normal situation, I would have held the door for them, especially as they were both using both hands to carry their beer. Instead, not only did I not hold the door, but actually gave it a little push so that it closed as I left looking at them dead in the eye, utter pettiness. Bonus, one or two days later I encountered them again, they were leaving the building with a couple girls, I ignore if they were their girlfriends or not, and one of the girls actually held the door. I thanked her and I passed them by staring at the guys. Not all is lost, at least they have a polite friend. Growing up, I actually got yelled at by a teacher one time for not speaking up and saying thank you when somebody held the door for me. I was antisocial as a kid. I wasn't going to speak up if I didn't have to. That didn't stop that teacher from going, You're welcome, your highness. At that point, what do you say? You say, oh, I'm sorry, thank you? Or do you just start walking faster? This next story is, Congratulations, Entitled Restaurant Patrons. I was in college, working as a hostess at a fine dining restaurant. Most people who came in were polite and respectful. One night, a middle-aged couple came in. I checked off their reservation in the book. This was pre-computer reservation system. I'm old. They asked if they could sit at the table by the window. There was a coveted two-seater that was often requested for anniversaries or birthdays. I explained that it had been reserved weeks ago. Sorry, how about this one? No? This one? Keep in mind, this is a beautiful restaurant with lots of cozy, candlelit tables. Finally the guy snarls, FINE, and angrily sits down. I went to get their menus, only to have them storm past me. The guy threw his cloth napkin at me across the bar as they left. I made a note of their name from the reservation book. It was an unusual surname in the man's first name. I looked up their address. Bought a card that said congratulations, wrote, you win the biggest b-hole award, then I mailed it, and wished I could have watched them open it. Now, my question is, did OP add enough detail for them to understand why they got this card, or was that the point? Just them getting that card, reading it, and wondering what they did, or perhaps what b-hole activity did they get up to enough recently to deserve that? Hey, maybe it wasn't even the first time they got something like that, but that would be shocking. Our next story is, kindness is the best revenge. This happened a few weeks ago. I was on a discount air service that starts with an A, flying from Texas to Florida. This airline service has a policy that, unless you pay extra, you don't get to choose your seat, you just get assigned what's available. I didn't want to pay extra for my seat, so I got one randomly appointed. Sadly, I was appointed a center seat in aisle 1. I'm a big guy, so I generally feel bad for those around me and ask the flight attendants to move me for others' comfort. I didn't do that this time. Aisle 1 sounded great. I assumed an exit aisle with lots of legroom. Nope. Aisle 1 was in front of and to the side of aisle 2, which was the exit row. I get on the plane, essentially last, after everyone else waiting has been boarded. I have bad joints, so I don't like standing and waiting on people to put their luggage up, etc. I take my seat and there isn't anyone on either side of me. I found this to be odd. Then there's a sudden influx of passengers getting on the plane. A man and his son, a very large younger man and possibly special needs, sits in row 2 by the entrance, making it difficult for others to enter the plane. A flight attendant looks at their tickets, and they're supposed to be sitting by me. They argue with the flight attendant and say that they want the seats therein. The flight attendant tells them no, that those seats are reserved for flight crew. He then begrudgingly moves to sit in his seat and his son in his seat on both sides of me. The man then begins to complain about me sitting there and that I had to be in the wrong seat and he wanted moved so he could sit next to his son. I offered to sit in the aisle or the window. That wasn't good enough for him. He wanted to be moved to an exit row for the inconvenience. He then asked how much extra I paid for that seat. I told him it was assigned. He then tells the flight attendant that I didn't pay for my ticket and that he made sure when he booked the seats that there was no one sitting in the center seat. The guy had gotten on early and reserved the aisle and window seat in the first row, thinking that no one would want the center and he would get the entire row for him and his son. After several times raising his voice to the flight attendant and talking over her, she looked at me and said, Sir, would you mind moving? I did not. She took me back and sat me down in an aisle seat in an exit row. There was someone by the window but no one in the center. I was happy, wasn't bothering anyone and thought it was perfect. Then the flight attendant asked me if I wanted to move again as the row behind me, also an exit row, was empty. I happily moved. So, just being kind to the flight attendant allowed me to move from a center seat with the least amount of leg room on the plane to having an entire exit row to myself. Ironically, I still wound up sitting in the center seat for most of the flight and stretching out. To make things even better, I got up to stretch at one point and the son had moved to sit in the center seat and remained there the entire flight. So the dad didn't benefit at all. Be kind to servers, flight attendants and retail workers. It's not that hard, it's certainly a nice to hear a story where somebody just kept their head and their wits about them, was just kind, polite, straight to the point, and it worked out so well. I'm sure the flight attendants were super grateful for OP just being a good person. Our next story is, the guy got revenge on himself, I only helped a little. My first job in the engineering field was a doozy, I got hired for technical sales to sell this particular product. They always did a study to show that a new client would save money on their utility bill using our product. Boss came across as a really ingenious guy, very convincing. He had invented this amazing product and was now bringing his invention to the world. A couple of months in, started to smell something fishy. They had this software that the boss wrote to help with the calculations in these studies that always showed our product would save the client money. I looked at the code and the software and realized the program always said the product would save 1% of their utility bill no matter what. For a big outfit, 1% could be tens of thousands of dollars a year. This calculation was completely bogus. I looked up old studies on file. They always predicted the client would save 1%. Sometimes a client would come back with questions. They didn't realize these so-called savings. Boss would do another study. Oh, your production changed. Utility rates went up, yada, yada. You'll save 1% sure, sure, this time. Nobody questioned it more than that. Boss claimed he was a licensed professional engineer. He was not. Boss claimed he had a PhD. He did not. Boss claimed he was a black belt in karate. He was not. Boss claimed he had patents. He had none. Boss claimed he was wealthy. I drive a Toyota so that I don't attract attention to my wealth. He had some money his dad was loaning him. Our office was in a broken-down, double-wide trailer. It was located on a major street. It's still there to this day. I looked into the actual math and physics behind this product. Yes, there was a theoretical way it could save the client some energy, but only for truly gigantic customers, like a major industrial plant. For the suckers we were selling it to, the savings were actually pennies, not 1% of their bill. I wrote a letter of resignation immediately, confronted the boss and his right hand goon, and walked out. I called everyone on their client list and spilled the beans. Should have called the cops, as well as the professional engineering license board. Some years later, was at a legitimate engineering firm. My new boss says, There's this guy, he seems really smart, he's got these products that are supposed to save energy by insert techno babble here. I asked, does his name happen to be Mike? They say, how did you know? I told him the whole story of the fraud. Some years more, Mike's in the papers, turns out he set a neighbor's trailer on fire. He was trying to force the neighbor to sell him some land adjacent to him, on the major street which could be valuable I guess and somehow arson seemed like the best plan. But he wasn't in the news for arson. He was on trial for attempted murder. You see, when he was on trial for arson, he paid another inmate who was getting out of jail a fee for his agreement to murder the judge that convicted him of arson. Instead of doing the hit, the other crook just went to the cops and blabbed. The double-wide trailer's still there. A faded sign announces the name of the folded company. Weeds grow up around it, far as I know he's still in jail. And oh, I do get some petty revenge. Whenever the weeds get over 12 inches tall, in violation of city ordinance, I dutifully call in a weed ordinance violation. It's my civic duty after all, it's $50 plus the cost for the city to mow it. I'm sure he'll get right on that from prison, maybe his dad will loan him enough to cover the fine. This guy sounds like a real charmer, a real entrepreneur. OP must be feeling so freaking smart knowing that as soon as they realized the cat was out of the bag and understanding the fake process behind selling this technology that they just up and got out of their ASAP, not going to have their name attached to any of this stuff. You got this level of smart move and then you've got investing in Apple in the early nineties and holding strong.